Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Hello and welcome to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. This is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. Each week we talk to a different creative Mississippian. We talk to artists, visual artists, photographers, musicians, craftspeople, as well as people who help promote the arts in their community. Today we're going to be talking about music and the music life with our guest, Will Thompson. Will, welcome. Thanks, Larry. I'm happy to be here. Now, Will, you are a you're a piano player, a musician, a composer, a sound designer, and I also know one of the very earliest uh, interviewees on the Mississippi Arts Hour. Is that right? You were there back before we were on MPB. We were still on a local station in Jackson, and you came into that little <laughs> tiny station in downtown Jackson. I don't know if you kind I, of it was like a trailer, you know. I maybe? do have a, a slight memory of that. Yeah, this is like over 15 years ago. Yeah. so it's ancient history. <laughs> but welcome back. It's Thank good to have you, you back. Happy uh, to be here. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe just give people a little overview. You're you're currently teaching at USM. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, you've worked for many years. You both worked here and in, in, here in Jackson, that is, and in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell people just overview wise, like a little about what you do as a musician. Well, my background is really in jazz piano. Um, that's at least my formal education. And even when I, before I was going to school for anything, that's kind of what I was learning, more blues piano, but developed into jazz piano. I studied that um, at the University of New Orleans uh, for an undergraduate and a master's degree, actually. And I've been playing professionally for, ooh, over 20 years um, in Jackson some. So I went overseas with the army and came back and I was living in Mississippi. I'm from Mississippi originally, from Clarksdale. But I really went to high school in Opelousas, Louisiana, and then went to New Orleans and studied music there and got deployed to Iraq, came back and was living in Jackson again. Uh, I was very surprised to be back in Mississippi, but it turned out to be a great thing. And uh, since moved back to New Orleans and now I'm in Hattiesburg still playing and teaching and composing and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and you're kind of expanding out from jazz into more oh, experimental yeah. music. Definitely, and, yeah. definitely. Uh, I've been into that for a long time, yeah. but um, some of the more recent developments have really been a cause of my, um, the PhD I just finished at LSU, which was in experimental music and digital media. So it's a lot of computers and uh synthesizers and composition and sound design, all kinds of things. Yeah. It's a big world of stuff. That's (laughs) awesome. Well, I I mean, it's kind of amazing to think of all the different, very distinctive places you spent your formative years, starting in Clarksdale, then Mm -hmm. to Southwest Louisiana, small town, Southwest Louisiana to New Orleans. I mean, amazing, all amazing music traditions. And Mm -hmm. um, looking at your bio a little bit, talked a little bit about kind of your, um, First connecting with kind of the music of New Orleans and piano oh, players yeah. while you were in while you were still I guess in high school or definitely that? Yeah. yeah I was lucky really lucky that somehow I guess my dad found a teacher somebody who could teach blues piano 
Um, his name was David Egan and Lafayette, and he was a he's since passed away, but a brilliant uh, Grammy win, winning uh, songwriter and like New Orleans style piano player. So I was really lucky to find him. Yeah. And so you kind of did the what like the, the uh, uh, um, I can't Professor Longhair oh, and that was, kind of style. Exactly, or, yeah. you hit it right on the head. Professor Longhair is the guy who I was totally obsessed with in high school, and still am. I mean, it's so amazing uh, that music is just so uh, it's so Caribbean. It's so it's like Haitian music more yeah. than it is like I mean, it's very American music, obviously, but it's just. The rhythmic thing is so sophisticated. Yeah. It's very complex. But the harm harmonically and all that stuff, it's like three chords, you know. But rhythmically it's it's those bass lines that are like the rumba or, yeah, the, yeah. or the merengue or they're all these different Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He would call it a a rumba. It's not really a rumba, but uh yeah. The the counterpoint of rhythm between hands in his music is astonishing. Yeah. So I mean that's a very it's it's a very technically but it's it's a complicated playing but it's not it's not jazz no. really you know as 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 jazz musicians would see it so no. how did you make that jump from that to into playing more um, contemporary jazz piano Well I guess I was always interested in it my grandfather was a jazz musician um, from Bay St Louis um, back in the 30s and 40s and such. Uh, so that's kind of the first connection, and that's like with more like Dixieland, they called it, or traditional jazz. Um, but let's see, I really, you know, I ended up at UNO. I was also a big Harry Connick Jr. fan, and uh, I knew that Harry had studied with uh, um, James Booker, for one, um, a disciple of Professor Longhair, if you will, and also with Ellis Marsalis. And Ellis started the school at University of New Orleans, and that's what brought me there, really, was to try and study with him, which was pretty fascinating. Did you <laughs> did you end up studying, playing, I never taught by he, him at all? Or? He left, uh, like, I auditioned for him and played for him before, but I never had formal lessons with him. The little interaction I had with him was pretty um, formative, though, because he... he didn't sugarcoat anything. Like he just told you exactly what he thought. And it was hard to hear, you know, but I learned so much because of it, you know. Right. Um, well, what was the, I mean, that must have been a huge jump to be a young person coming from kind of, you know, a fairly small town into New Orleans and just all, I mean, the jazz, but also just all that other music happening at the same time. Oh, yeah. Talk about that, just that environment as a, as a place of development for you. Wow. That's, that's hard to even address. Um, but so much, especially then, um, we're talking, you know, pre Katrina by a, a good while, you know, and, uh, I was at the time I was just totally obsessed with jazz. I mean, you have to, if you're going to, if you're going to learn how to play that music, yeah. you kind of have to ignore everything for a little while at least, you know? Yeah. Um, and at that time, you know, I was even ignoring parts of jazz because I was obsessed with like one particular musician and that's all I would listen to. And I had to do that to learn it. But uh, I mean, since then, I I don't actually I was listening to Miles Davis on the way here, which is really odd because I don't I haven't listened to, to like proper jazz in quite a while. But I love it, you know. Yeah. You're listening to the Arts Hour. Our guest today is Will Thompson. He's a 
pianist, he's a composer, and he's teaching at uh, USM, University of Southern Mississippi, and he's a Clarksdale native. Um, well, let's skip ahead a little bit and talk about your time here in Jackson and kind of going from one jazz master to a couple of jazz masters um, oh, yeah. that you got to play with here. Uh, the late Alvin Fielder, the mm -hmm. drummer, and also Dr. London Branch, who was long time at JSU and a uh, yeah. bass player. Tell me about how that started and how you got connected with those yeah. guys. Yeah, well, when I, so I moved back to Mississippi and to Jackson for the first time. Um, right when I came back from the army in Iraq, um, and I was not super optimistic coming from New Orleans, having lived in New Orleans, that I would find a lot of great music. But um, somebody I was in touch with when I was overseas put me in touch with Bruce Golden, who was a dear friend of mine and one of my favorite musicians as well. And that I guess that's how I found out about Alvin Fielder and and. Uh, you know, I called. I, I must have just called Alvin because that's all you have to do. You get yes. Alvin on the phone. You're going to be there for two hours. Yeah. You know, pack a lunch. Yeah, right. And so that led to he he could tell I was pretty serious about the music. You know, and uh, he I'm really lucky that he took me under his wing and we hung out like almost every day. You know, and we started a group with Dr. Branch, Dr. London Branch, um, called the Doctrine Trio. That's how I met London, actually. It was through Alvin. And uh, Alvin's idea, Alvin's band name, um, Alvin picked the music, really. I mean, it was almost exclusively the music of Thelonious Monk. And for whatever reason, that's what Alvin wanted to do, with me at least, which I'm really grateful for because I know his music, Monk's music, pretty well uh, at this point in my life. And... Uh, it's, it's interesting because I've always been very interested and have done a lot of free improvising. Um, and Alvin's kind of famous for that. But Alvin didn't want to do that with me. He wanted to play Monk. And it was really good. It was good for me. And I learned so much from him. Um, so many memories of, of, of hanging out with him. One of his favorite things to do is to watch... Uh, DVDs of himself playing at his house. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, he'd be playing free improvised music with some great musicians, but he could always identify everything he was doing at any moment based on what some bebop drummer had done. So it was like all... Like where he stole the lick. Yeah, kinda. it was all bebop vocabulary he yeah. was using to play free, you know? Well, he was a Max Roach disciple above all. Oh, that yeah. was the, the godhead for Max him. Max was yeah. his man, yeah, yeah. for sure, yeah. I mean, he, he was such a fountain of information, and I'm sure you know why. It's really because he ended up back in Mississippi after being in Chicago and just spent his life calling these old bebop guys and just talking to them for, like, all day, every day, you know, as much as he could. And he just knew so much about the history of, of jazz music, Um there's no book that could possibly come close, you know, or collection yeah. of books. It was insane what he knew. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of what did that do for your playing, playing with those two? How did, oh. it, how did it change you as a player? Hmm. Well, I think the fact that Alvin really insisted that I deal with Monk's music really affected me a lot because Monk is a very specific piano player. Um, 
it's kind of treacherous territory because you don't want to imitate him, but it's hard to play his music originally and without being disrespectful of what of his language, you know. It's a tricky thing. So I think it was a lot of structure. Like I would just learn the way that Monk played everything and then try and figure out is there something I can do that's different than that? Because, I mean, what's the point in being, I don't want to be museum music, you know. I don't want to just do what Monk did because I'll never do it as well as he did, you know. But it was fascinating, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's um, let's take a quick break uh, and let's listen to this. We're going to listen to a track from your fairly recent release. Uh, it's a collaboration with the guitarist Chris Alford, who's a native Mississippian yep. as well. I met him in Jackson, also. Yeah. Yeah, and and the record's called Overtone Undertow. Just tell right. me real, give us a little bit about what this is, what this project's about. Well, the project it's it's me and Chris playing duo uh he's playing a resonator guitar which is prepared a lot the music is all improvised um i don't in my mind it's not free jazz it's more just improvised music and maybe i say that because for my taste and what i'm trying what i'm going for is more coming from the vocabulary of like 20th century classical music really and I'm playing an instrument that's pretty that I designed. So it's a piano, but it has this um, I call it the Infostain piano. It's something I developed when I was at, working on the PhD at LSU. So I'm using a computer uh, with a program called Max. It used to be called Max MSB, and I have a microphone on the soundboard of the piano, a little contact mic, and uh, that goes into the computer through an interface, and then it goes back out to the piano's soundboard with a uh, transducer, which is just a speaker, but it has no cone. So this, this device attaches to the soundboard and makes the soundboard of the piano a speaker, essentially. So the recording that just happened of the piano in real time is coming back and being spoken, if you will, through the piano's own um, sound making mechanism or resonating mechanism which is the soundboard of the piano so i can achieve infinite sustain i can play a note and it sounds like the piano is just holding it forever and you know using the sustain pedal i can get all these overtones to happen through the soundboard um and do any number of effects to the piano as well so it's kind of a hybrid instrument this is larry morrissey thanks for listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour the show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
Welcome back to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey. Our guest today is Will Thompson. He's a piano player, a pianist, a composer, and he's currently teaching at USM, and he's a native of Clarksdale. Um, so I was thinking, so you left here in about 09, I think you were saying before, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and went back went back to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so now it's post-Katrina. And I'm just curious about, you know, folks in Mississippi, we know the famous musicians from New Orleans and... But there's also all these folks that are down there making their living as working musicians. Sure. And it's a different, you know, it's a different life than what Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> et cetera leads. Talk, talk a little bit about that that world of kind of, you know, making your way as a professional musician within the city. Yeah, I, I never dreamed that I would make a living playing music. Um, and I did for many years. Um it's really just a matter of being there long enough is what it ended up being for me. You know, I was there long enough that people knew who I was. And, you know, I played with lots of different types of groups. Um, you know, some jazz, at least initially that was what I was doing, but I've done like Brazilian music and a lot of rhythm and blues and, um, a lot of original music also. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a fun way to, to live uh, but at some point, I decided that I didn't want to live in a bar <laughs> all the time, you know. So that's, that's what that's, it requires. That part of it is just yeah, to be out in the clubs, basically. It yeah. takes a special person to do it that much for a long time, you know. Um, to just play for a living, you have to, well, for me at least, and everyone I know, pretty much say yes to everything you get called for, you know. So people always ask when they find out you're a musician, like, oh, well, what's the name of your band, you know? And I have had many bands, but they were my band. But usually if you're more of the jazz or if you're playing music in New Orleans for a living, you're just playing whatever you can, you know, because you've got to pay the bills. And it's a really weird way to live because you don't know how much money you're going to make in a given month, you know, and... uh it's easy when you're younger and you don't have a lot of bills, you know. So what, what what would the week look like? I mean, would you have some planned stuff and then other things just pop up? How does, well, how does yeah, it kind of work? Yeah, uh, I guess the way it works for everybody who does it successfully is you have steady gigs, like weekly things that you do. Like maybe I might have had two or three weekly things and then just everything else was just like happened to happen. There's dry months and there's like right now it's Mardi Gras. It's a great time to play. Um, but in August, it's brutal, you know. <laughs> and is that, is it pretty much based on kind of the, the tourist economy in terms oh, of what? Yeah. yeah. So you're having to, pl- is that, is, does that become a drag because you have to kind of fulfill what the tourists want to yeah. see because they're there, they're one time or whatever in New Orleans? Yes, yes and no. It, it is a drag. I mean, you're going to be playing... Most people come to New Orleans to hear jazz music. And some of them know enough that they're coming to hear traditional jazz music, like New Orleans jazz. Uh-huh. But a lot of tourists just want to hear music. And, you know, Frenchman Street is the place where I've played the most, um, which is it's been a vibrant community for a long time. These days, it's turning more and more and more like Bourbon Street, you know. It's kind of the extended Bourbon Street. Yeah, it used to be, uh, when I first started playing there, I felt like it was mostly locals that were hanging out there. But 
now there's barkers out in front of clubs trying to get you to come in, you know. No, I'm not saying anything necessarily wrong with it. I still play on Richmond Street sometimes, and uh, it's for tourists, but, I mean, it's the tourists allow us to make a living, you know. Without them, you know, there'd be no reason to do the things that we're doing, so... Tell us about you, you had multiple groups kind of that you led your own. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I really I was just watching some videos of was the Red Organ Trio. Oh yeah, is that still a going concern or is that? No, I have I haven't been doing that recently. Okay, you know it's one of those it's kind of one of those products of uh, the whole COVID lockdown thing. Like it didn't survive it, or I just changed what I wanted to do. Oh, okay, you know I just it having that break from playing music in front of people for money allowed me to get more. I just played so much piano and not a lot of organ. And when it was over, I was like, I don't really want to play organ trio right now at this particular club where I was doing it um, for tourists and et cetera. Um, I still love organ and uh, there's, there's a brand new Hammond at USM actually that I was just cranked up earlier today oh wow does it have a leslie speaker oh, yeah. the, the rotating speaker mm-hmm. as well oh cool yeah mm-hmm. it's fun stuff but i yeah i just got more interested in piano music um my first love you know what speaking of COVID, i recall seeing during probably more the lockdown time period you were posting little short piano little yeah. videos and it was kind of like uh was it Improvise, kind of exercise. Mm-hmm. They were interesting. What was what, yeah, what were you doing? Um, yeah, so the idea was basically like to do at least then I was doing once a day a little. You know, the Instagram one minute was a great kind of exercise in like I'm just gonna play for one minute, totally improvise off the top of my head every day and post it just to basically just get better at doing it. You know. And, uh, yeah, it was an interesting exercise. Um, were you walking up to the piano cold, or were, had you played a while, and then you kind of started your timer? Or? Uh, it, it depended. You know, the, the initial idea was to just go in cold, oh. but I ended up, towards the end, just doing, like, multiple takes, which was really fun. It's like, I, I can do it better. <laughs> what kind of feed? Did you get any feedback on that, or was it just kind of your own exercise? It was interesting uh, yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, it was my own exercise. It was also, I was also collecting data for a really nerdy reason. <laughs> so my uh, my dissertation at LSU uh, was about um, machine learning and composition and hybridizing music of different composers to include my own improvisations with different emotional states of speech. This sounds really weird, but I'm really, I've always been really interested in the connection between speech and music, because I think speech is such a musical phenomenon. It has pitch, it has rhythm, um, there's harmonic material as well. And so uh, I used those videos as a way to capture my own improvisation, you know, so I just turned all that stuff into MIDI files, which okay. I could make into raw scores. data, kind exactly. of. Okay. Yeah, I, I needed a I needed a data set to build this model, machine learning model. It's really nerdy, but yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Will Thompson. He's currently uh, 
professor of music at USM in Hattiesburg, uh, native of Clarksdale, and he's a pianist and a composer. Um, so kind of going into this more, uh, you know, you, you're coming out of a really just kind of focused performer thing, and now it seems like you're becoming more of a... a intangible analyst and, and <laughs> an educator, well, edu- yeah. educator, but also kind of like, um, it's not so much the performance, it's more the ideas in that. So is there a, mm-hmm. I guess that was always in a part of what you did in your Baghdad music journal. There was right. a kind of a lot of experimental elements to that. Yeah, so that's, that's it's just a, a, a theme maybe, I guess you've been and sure. Yeah. Sure. So you're expanding on it, I guess now kind of ideas. Yeah. Um, I'm still performing and I'll never stop performing. Um, and yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, going back to school, I've LSU has an amazing program for, uh, experimental electronic music. And that just really, um, inspired me. And I learned so much getting that PhD, uh, that it, it just made me open up to a whole another world of, ways to approach music as a composer but also as an improviser and also as a designer of like sound systems or instruments or techniques of composition these types of things um really interesting to me um i'm really lucky to get to think about all these things (laughs) a lot is that something that's a specific focus at lsu is there kind of a a hybrid thing of technology and music there? Yes. Or, yeah. yeah, so it, there's they have a great composition program there, but they also have um, this program that's called Experimental Music and Digital Media. Um, and some great teachers, uh, Jesse Allison, Dr. Jesse Allison heads the program, and he is a brilliant, brilliant uh, musician and programmer so it's a lot of just computers and music is essentially what it is it's like co- composition but with computers or something like that you could really do anything you want there that's what it's so wide open and the teachers are so open-minded um yeah so traditionally in education that world of electronic experimental stuff is really comes from would be part of the composition program, but now they're starting to build programs that are about that, you know, and LSU has, happens to have a great one, you know, so I ended up going back to school to go there really because I didn't want to wake up and be playing on Frenchman Street six nights a week in 10 years, you know, and here I am and I live in Hattiesburg now, you know, so. And, and Hattiesburg has always struck me, um, from the outside, as a musician who's played there and stuff, I don't know if it, it just, um, no offense to anybody else in the state, but it is, it, it seems like a really, um, a listener's town and, and there mm-hmm. is a kind of, it, it feels like it has its own kind of musical, Yeah, they appreciate music, I guess, they do. in a way that maybe not in some of the other college towns. They do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, Mississippi and, and music, um, like when I first came back, when I moved to Jackson, I thought like, oh no, there's like nothing here. Turns out there was a lot. I just had, you just have to dig. Yeah, it's not on the surface. In Jackson, you yeah. know? In Hattiesburg, it's a little bit more on the surface. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something to do with just how close it is to New Orleans. Yeah. I don't know. But also it's a college town. It's a little bit more uh, open-minded and uh, a little 
less conservative maybe and i think that helps the music um i don't know i mean i i really don't know why but hattiesburg has has its own thing happening and ever since i've known it it always has yeah have you gotten a chance to start performing there yet or is it still a little kind of bit early i days? played last night actually i played a mardi gras ball and Hattiesburg, which was kind of weird. <laughs> were you solo or were you no, with the band? Okay. No, it was like a small traditional jazz thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're back for the, we're back on the last segment of the Arts Hour today. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Will Thompson, pianist, composer, professor of music at USM. Um, so we've been listening to tracks from this new record, Undertow. I'm, I was going to screw this up. I have to look at the title, Overtone Undertow. It's kind of a tongue twister. It is. You have to read it. And it, it has been nominated as uh, one of the contemporary music albums of the year for the by the Mississippi Institute for Arts and Letters. So congratulations mm, so to you and Mr. Alford. Very on that. happy about that. Yes. Yeah. So that's great to see that recognition. Um, but talk to you. You explained a little about what what's going on in the music mm -hmm. technically. You know what we're right. hearing. But uh, tell us a little bit about your history playing with Chris and and how this project got started. Sure. Uh, well, I met Chris when I moved to Jackson. I guess I moved to Jackson in 2005. Yeah. And I was I was talking before about how when I came to Jackson, I thought, oh, no, there's nothing here. But you really have to dig, and you can find a lot of great stuff. You know, I found Alvin and London Branch and Bruce Golden. And Chris was one of the people I found. Um, when I first met him, I, I saw him playing at Martin's, and he was playing a tape recorder into his guitar pickups and thought, okay. This guy's doing some different stuff. And we start, We hit it off and started playing a bunch. He had just moved back from Chicago where he was going to get his master's degree and uh, played a lot in Jackson, a lot of organ music, actually, and a lot of improvised music. And that was the beginning of one of my bands called Wativ, W-A-T-I-V, uh, which is just my initials, William A. Thompson IV. Um and that project really got took off again for this is this would be the second time when so Chris moved to New Orleans and then shortly after I moved back to New Orleans and then we got with James Singleton who's a great bass player and uh, Simon Lott who's a great drummer and put this quartet together which we played for many years together it's, we're not playing right now um, and then, yeah, so in Jack, I mean, in New Orleans, we played a lot of music together, a lot of it Oregon and other things. But during this past, uh, the lockdown with COVID, uh, Chris was one of the few people that I actually saw in person, you know. And so we, we recorded 
this group with us as a duo started then. Um, we put out one album that was just a digital release that we recorded during that period. And then this last one was a product of that. So it's all, all really a product of COVID and us not being around other musicians as much and just improvising, which is something we do anyway, just for fun. And with this new uh, instrument that I designed, I think that was part of the push to that made it really exciting to make a duo record like this, you know. And he's playing resonator guitar, which is that right. kind of the old what, like a dobro, like kinda. a dobro, yeah, yeah. acoustic. So, mm-hmm. and that is to kind of timberly match a little what you're doing, or yeah. just or how did that kind of get chosen? I don't know. I think it just happened. You'd have to ask Chris that, but uh, it is an interesting match, I think. Um, and he's doing a lot of like pre- preparation of the guitar. He's not playing it in a conventional way a lot of the time it's more of a uh, oftentimes it's just a sound uh source you know and prepare guitar means it's kind of manipulated in a way he'll use whatever he wants to make it sound a certain way like using a comb to play it or uh putting uh i don't know um aluminum foil under the strings or i'm not even sure what he does it's all kind of stuff because I usually have my eyes closed when all this stuff happens, so I don't know exactly what's happening. You get to be surprised, I guess, too, and react right. to that. Or, I know what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what he's actually doing, but yeah. It's pretty fun. And it's pretty, I got to say, uh, this last record, which is actually a vinyl release, the first time I've done vinyl, it's it's pretty outside. I think that it's challenging. It might be challenging for a lot of people, you know, because it's not, it's not jazz in my mind, at least it's not. Some people might call it jazz, um, but for a lot of people, jazz is just music without words. That's not classical music, you know. Right. But for a jazz musician, there's a vocabulary, right. there's a tonal kind of qual, there's a chordal quality in that. Totally, yeah, yeah. definitely. And this is this is a really improvised music, um, like as close as we can get to really improvising and not using um intentionally trying not to use vocabulary often and sometimes choosing to use vocabulary you know but it's 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 really fun to play and i like to listen to that type of music and you know more and more i'm surprised by modern listeners because younger people aren't as afraid of new music i find recently i'm kind of i'm always I feel like when I first started playing really improvised music, there was a lot of resistance to hearing it. Like, you know, the club would have eight people in it and then it would have zero people. <laughs> After the eight, 20 minutes in. You know, right. Yeah. But now I feel like it, it's shifted. Uh, younger people, maybe it's because popular music has got so many different elements in it that I don't know what it is, but I feel they like they seem it, less know. bound by genre. Like yeah. where I grew up and everything was like, I'm a heavy metal fan. I'm right. a country fan. And now kids just listen to like my children just listen to whatever. And it's all music. They I don't, guess there's just so much, yeah. right? There's so much and they just get exposed to so much mm-hmm. that I would never have, you know, had limitations to, but they don't seem, it's like just funny seeing people with like heavy metal shirts on that are, you know, that would be sacrosanct that uh, a punk rock kid would have a heavy metal shirt. Right. And now it's just like you just do whatever, you know. And yeah. I wonder if there's something kind of connected to that. I think you're onto something for sure. 
They yeah. don't, they don't, I mean, it's great because they don't see the boundaries that I think older people have yeah. built up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an amazing thing. I've just noticed it in audiences and what you're saying totally resonates with that. Yeah. So is this, so is this duo, you are also, per, I mean, you've did the recording, but you're doing some performances as oh, yeah. well. Uh huh. We played, uh, just like last week at Tulane university in New Orleans. Um, and a beautiful little chapel there, which is great with a grand piano and everything. You know, it's really nice. We have to have a piano for this particular project, you know. Um, so we've done it a few times, maybe three times. We want to do more for sure. Yeah. And, and what else do you have? Like, so you, I mean, you've, you're kind of bifurcated in terms of your, your, your teaching now and you, mm -hmm. you have those responsibilities. But do you have other kind of ongoing music projects now, either informal or kind of formalized? Yeah, I, I play and lead uh, one band, uh, the Betty Shirley band. Betty Shirley is an amazing singer who lives in New Orleans. Uh, she actually is was born in Jackson, believe it or not, and has lived in New York probably most of her life in Chicago and now lives in New Orleans. Um, amazing singer. And uh, I lead the band. And uh, that's most of the playing I've been doing is that. And that's jazz for sure. Like traditional yeah. kind of she's singing like, yeah. American songbook kind of stuff? Totally. Or, yeah. uh, more contemporary, not not modern jazz, but not traditional jazz, but like the classic jazz, you know, uh, of like Ella Fitzgerald in that era, yeah. you know. So, yeah, uh, that style and a lot of blues also. Uh, she is an amazing singer. She really is. I need to get her to come perform has she recorded much or oh yeah okay. a lot yeah she's played with everybody really um so i've been leading that band and playing with her we're playing thursday at snug harbor which is kind of like the the jazz club in, yeah. in new orleans and um other than that and chris me and chris's project i'm thinking about starting so i told you about, i was talking about wativ uh, w-a-t-i-v and I've had f a few different versions of that band. It really started after the war and as a result of that Baghdad Music Journal album. But I'm thinking about making a new version of that band maybe in Hattiesburg. So we'll see. Um, I'm optimistic. There's some good players in Hattiesburg. There really are. Because it's close enough that people can go to New Orleans and play, I guess. And well, also the school there, uh, oh, right, yeah. like the jazz program, also helps. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Like the people I'm thinking of went to school, you know, through that program or taught there or something, you know. They have a connection. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You're listening to the Arts Hour. My guest today, I'm Larry Morrissey, by the way, from the Arts Commission. And our guest today is Will Thompson, and we're talking about his music and his composition work. Um, we've been talking about listening and stuff, and I was hoping, um, I just got to throw one out of left field for you, you know, people... Um, people say, you know, I want to get into jazz. I'm, I'm interested, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm receptive to this, but it is like a big ocean. Oh yeah. So like if, if you had some, you know, somebody like that, what could you point them to three records or three artists or what, what's the starting point for someone who says, I want to get into this, but I don't know where to start. Get into it as far as being a listener, Be a listener, a okay. listener, right? Not yeah. a performer. Yeah, sure. I mean, probably the the answer that most people might give is Miles Davis, A Kind of Blue, which is a great album. Um, 
some people might say Dave Brubeck. I'm not that crazy about it. <laughs> um, but a kind of blue. God, I'm really I'm really partial to piano records. So, well, let's pick piano records. That's, yeah. That's so, okay. um, Ahmad Jamal, Live at the Persian, is an amazing album. Also, I really like um, anything by Errol Garner is just pretty accessible. You know, it's not weird. He was an interesting character because he he had such an original style and didn't read any music at all. Not traditionally trained, but just had great technique and great ears. And, you know, they always he's always kind of given this rap as being the happy piano because he's always smiling and but his music is really serious. Um, so he's another one. Um, those are two. Let's see. Any, I mean, God, there's a lot of Miles Davis stuff and John Coltrane stuff that's just great. Also, earlier stuff, the so traditional jazz is, is pretty fun. If you listen to, for example, those records made by Preservation Hall, I think that's a great way. That was one of the first albums I ever got into. It was that, some Preservation Hall record, and my mom had a vinyl of uh, Wes Montgomery's record, uh, Smoking at the Half Note, which is a great, great album. It's so that. that's your organ trio roots? Is the, was yeah, he well, that, that was trio? piano. Oh, it was piano, okay. So yeah, that was uh, Wynn Kelly on piano. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was Philly Joe and uh, Paul Chambers. Oh, and, yeah. Um, it's like the classic stuff. Just very know. killer people, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Cool. Well, what about, uh, so you're teaching now, you, you finished up, you got your PhD, you're, you're Dr. Thompson, the fourth now. <laughs> what, what kind of stuff are you working on with your students? What, what's going on in the, in the music uh, school world? Well, you know, actually, I don't teach for the music department. Oh, okay. I teach for media and communications, and specifically, right. it's, the program is called... Um, on a blank real quick oh media arts and entertainment that's what it's called <laughs> um, and I teach uh, the more technical aspects of sound so I'm teaching a class this semester about synthesizers a seminar about synthesizers which is super fun I've never taught an entire class about synthesizers because it's, it's a that's an endless world that you can get into um and I'm teaching mixing and mastering this semester, for example. Um, teaching a lot of just introduction to audio and how the science behind sound, which is, I studied a lot of that for my PhD. And also just how to run sound or how to record that, those types of things. So I'm more okay. involved with the technical aspects of okay. sound than I am actual music right now. Music, of course, is part of it. But I really like this. Um, I've taught a lot of music in my life. and. I probably always will, but this is an interesting thing they have going on at USM. Uh, the MEA program has nice facilities, and faculty is great, and the students are enthusiastic. It's nice to be back in Mississippi. You know, these Mississippi kids are just... They're so nice and respectful. <laughs> <laughs> and a wider per, per, uh, per, uh, group, I guess, because it's not just all musicians. I guess there's some musicians, maybe. But... Oh, yeah, sure. There are definitely some, yeah. And the music school and uh, media arts and entertainment are kind of very closely aligned. A lot of crossover between sure. the two, yeah. 
and I used to teach with the music program, so I know all those people pretty well. Um, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming in today. Oh, really appreciate it. If I've, people want to learn more about you and your music, where should we, is there a place online we yeah, can send them? Yeah, I have a website. Um, it's wativ, W-A-T-I-V, music.com. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram. My name is, my handle is wativ, W-A-T-I-V. That's usually how you can find me. I usually go by that name musically. If it's my own stuff, that's what I go by usually. Um, but thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. I just enjoyed it very much. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.